and welcome, everybody. You're listening to This Week in Sports. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Saturday, September 24th, 2022. All right, so we've got a lot to get into. It is very cold in New Jersey right now. Uh, current temperature, I mean, I'm exaggerating when I say that, but it got very cold last night. Couldn't get an episode done yesterday. I just actually checked. It's been 12 days since my last episode. So to give you a little bit of recap on what's been going on, I did start a podcast with my friends, um, Priyank and Nick, called Through the Ringer. So if you haven't subscribed to that, check it out. We've put out about four episodes so far, we're trying to do it every Tuesday and Saturday. Today being Saturday, it's not looking like we're going to get an episode in. Priyank's work schedule is ridiculous. Um, he's going through his first year of residency to become a doctor. So his hours, like once a month, he has to work nights for the entire month. So he's on night shift. So it's just been tough. And he got out at like 10 a.m. this morning after working, starting at like six or seven last night. So it's been rough. There's also college football going on right now. I'm going through a lot. Last night, I had, uh, I worked yesterday, my regular nine to five from seven to three, went to softball practice for about an hour and a half or so. And then I had to go work the chains at a high school football game. So I didn't get home till last night's game was ridiculous. It was homecoming. There was all sorts of stuff going on or, or senior night and the game started 20 minutes late and it just dragged on and on and on. And I didn't get home till very late. Luckily, didn't miss Aaron Judge making history or tying Roger Maris's 61 home run record, thankfully. So nothing missed there. Um, so that game actually with the Yankees is supposed to be starting against Boston any minute now on yes the last couple games have been on fox and apple tv and all different networks and tomorrow will be the sunday night vehicle on espn so i've been dealing with that and then not to mention last weekend the iphone uh, 14 came on friday although i wasn't home nobody was home we missed ups um, it was an ordeal. Had my mom calling UPS in the Philippines to try to get them to reroute it. Luckily, thankfully, the guy that brought it back, the UPS driver, came that night. So uh, appreciate you for that, UPS. And uh, so then Saturday, um, I had early softball practice and I kind of had a headache. Um, I do get headaches from time to time. I take Humira. It's a medication for my Crohn's disease. Um, biweekly, I take it on Fridays and once in a while it's known to give me headaches. And then plus with the early hours that I work, I don't get enough sleep now with football starting these games on Sunday nights and whatnot are, and Thursday nights and whatever are going later. So I'm getting less and less sleep, which is going to lead to more headaches. So those Friday nights when I'm working a long, you know, 40 hour work week and then waking up early on Saturday and not getting that extra sleep that I co absolutely coveted today, uh, I feel re-energized, reinvigorated and ready to go. Um, so I had a bit of a headache on Saturday and it's not hard to get a headache when you're watching Rutgers beat Temple 16 to 14 in agonizing fashion. It was just an awful college football football game, excuse me. And then I started to not feel so good going into Sunday. 
and I felt a little bit sick, but it did, it felt like a little, like allergies. I wasn't really sure what was going on. We had people over to celebrate my mom's birthday. Um, so happy birthday to her. Her birthday was Tuesday and we had people over on Sunday. We were watching football, et cetera. And I had the sniffles a little bit, but it wasn't like full fledged cold or anything. So I'm wondering, I'm like, oh, you know, I don't think it's COVID or anything tested negative. Boom. Um, to date, I have never once had COVID. So I'm a super dodger, as I'd like to call myself. I read an article saying that that is a, such a thing. So I'm not making it up. I'm not one of those crackpot crazies. Although my gamer tag on Xbox is crazy 88. Although that's a whole different ordeal. That's my brother's uh, username has been forever since the old AOL aim days. But anyway, um, that's been the story of my life for the last 12 days or so. I had to call out of work Monday and Tuesday because I started to feel worse and worse. Just a cold. Um, actually, Monday, I was going to go in for Tuesday, but then starting at like 5.30 on Monday, my eyes started to get real watery and real heavy. And then I fell asleep and missed the double Monday night football showcase which was Bills, Vic, uh, Bills, Titans, and Eagles, Vikings. So I slept through both of those games, woke up at 12.30, and was like, yeah, I can't go back to sleep, and I still feel crappy. So I wrote an email and called out of work for Tuesday. And by Tuesday, like afternoon, I was feeling pretty good. I was like, all right, I'm going into work Wednesday, so we'll be good. And flash forward it's now saturday i f i have felt amazing actually pretty much since wednesday usually when i get a cold and i'm recovered you get that you know phlegm and you still get that you know stuffy phlegmy kind of nose where you're blowing snot everywhere and you get real thick phlegm in your throat that feels like you can't swallow sometimes which i didn't really get even on wednesday got it a little bit on thursday and slightly a little bit yesterday um, but I was working a crazy amount yesterday, so not to be expected that I maybe felt a little bit run down or anything, but woke up today, ate some breakfast, woke up at like 10 o'clock surprisingly, which wasn't too bad. I thought I was going to sleep till much later. Um, and it's good that I'm able to get this show out now during the early slate of college football games because Rutgers doesn't play until 7 p.m. tonight. It's a home, it's a home game against Iowa. Um, their first conference game, Iowa, the worst offense in America, and, but they have the second best defense in America, and Rutgers is a top 10 defense. So I thought about driving to PA or having uh, Priyank, who's in New York, maybe bet the under on this game, but yikes, it's only 33. And I did get burned on Thursday night's um, Brown-Steelers game with the under, and that was just a whole different ordeal. Um, maybe we'll talk about it or not, but... Um, so yeah, anyway, that's been my last 12 days or so. That's why I haven't put out an episode. And then unfortunately, before that, it went about two weeks without an episode. So it's a busy time right now um, in my life, false starting to ramp up and, and whatnot. And now that football's full-fledged, so and fall ball with softball as well that I coach. So it's just been, it's been craziness, but I promise to get back on track. I know I'm doing another podcast, and so it's like, I'm trying to do three episodes a week here, so I'm bear with me as I figure out my schedule and get things going. So we're gonna finally um, start the show. I believe this is episode 185. So without further ado, let's get it.
Oh, and by the way, while we're here, I'm going to just pop open the Yankee game because God forbid while I'm home and that's going on, I don't want to miss Judge hit home run number 61. So I've got that muted in the background on my iPad. Um, we've got a little Domingo Herman action going. Um, he gets the start today. Forget who's pitching for Boston, but I'll let you guys know in a little bit. So anyway, without further ado, we are going to jump in and we're going to talk about a crazy Sunday in week two of the NFL. It was all about the comebacks. There were three and they were furious and they were exciting. And we'll start with that Miami Baltimore game. Um, just ridiculous. Miami trailing Baltimore by 21 points at halftime. And I'm sitting here watching, you know, seeing that game on red zone while I watch the Jets and I'm starting to not feel so bad about the Jets looking so garbage and losing 21, nine to Baltimore in week one. And I'm starting to say like, oh, maybe Baltimore is, is as good as advertised. Um, even though, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson still hasn't been signed to a contract extension. So Miami after the decimation that they put on against the Patriots in week one, losing by 21 and a half. Wow. Um, but this game would not be over. Tua threw for six touchdowns. Yes, you heard that correct. Tua Tagovailoa threw for six touchdowns. The guy that can't throw the football 30 yards downfield threw for six touchdowns. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle caught two touchdowns apiece and both receivers went over 170 yards receiving. It was the largest fourth quarter comeback in Miami Dolphins history. And that nerdy little, you know, looking Mike McDaniel is now 2-0 with the Dolphins. Because, yes, they completed a 28-point comeback victory uh, in the fourth quarter. I think they outscored the Ravens 28-3 to in that fourth quarter. And they win this one 42-38. It was just ridiculous. Miami's offense is as good as advertised. They don't have a run game. That's the only issue I can see right now with this team. But that one-two punch of Waddle and... and uh, Tyree kill is just insane. And it just looking back how close the jets were to getting Tyree kill man. Oh man. Oh man. But it worked out because we've got our own number one receiver emerging in Garrett Wilson. I'll talk about that one next. The jets beat the Browns in the greatest comeback probably that I've ever seen as a jets fan in the regular season. The, we, 31 to 30 was the final. The Browns had a 99.9 win probability percentage. Oh my God. They went up 30 to 17 with a minute 55 remaining. Now I had a 16 parlay going, wanted to bet the Jets plus six and a half. When the when the Browns go up the six and a half, I mean, excuse me, up 30, 17, I'm like, oh boy. But in my parlay, I took the Jets plus four. 14, uh, plus 14 and a half, I want to say I took. So I'm like, here we go. And Nick Chubb scores his third touchdown. It was like a missed tackle. And he goes into the end zone just under the two minute warning. Now the Browns, Look, it wasn't a it, it's not a great look because the play before, I want to say it was a screen pass on like a third down to Kareem Hunt or something. And he went out of bounds with just over two minutes remaining. And then Chubb ran it in. And then it went to the two minute warning and Chubb ran it in first play after the two minute warning. The Jets either had one or no timeouts at that point. But again, nobody on the Browns 
ever could have imagined what was going to ensue after this, going up 30-17 with a minute 55 remaining. Joe Flacco finds Corey Davis for a long touchdown in just like one play. It was like the second play and it took about 15 seconds. And all of a sudden you're sitting here with over a minute and 30 seconds left and the Jets need an onside kick to come back because after Nick Chubb scored that touchdown, the Browns kicker missed the extra point. Now, this guy was the only kicker drafted in the NFL draft for the Browns. The only kicker drafted, okay? That is not an exaggeration. Um, and he missed an extra point again on Thursday night against the Steelers. So um, it, he misses the extra point. And again, still, nobody, nobody believes that this guy is going to is going to be haunted or that the Browns are going to be haunted by this missed extra point until they are. So I'm trying to find out who the kicker is. Um, Cade York. Yes. I knew he had a funny, weird name. Cade York was the kicker. He was the only player drafted. Um, the only kicker drafted out of LSU. And, um, he misses the extra point. It would, it should have been 31 17. So they get the long touchdown to Corey Davis. They go for the, the um, onside kick, and I believe there's been six or now seven onside kicks in the NFL this year, and the Jets are the only ones to recover an onside kick. It was actually Amari Cooper who botched this, and then the Jets fell on it, and what happens next? The Jets run down the field, and with 20-some-odd seconds left, third and 10, the Browns still had one timeout at this point, so I was like praying the the Jets would get the first down, get it to first and goal, and the Browns would burn that final timeout. Um, but thankfully, it worked out. Third and ten, Joe Flacco finds Garrett Wilson over the middle, just throws a dart in between traffic, and Garrett Wilson celebrates. The Jets tie the game with the ensuing extra point now to give them the lead. Just an improbable comeback. Um, it was in, it, absolutely insane. Since 2001, so 21 years, I believe it is, there have been uh, over 2,000 some odd games with a team losing by as many as the Jets were with over a minute 30 left, and they've all lost. The Jets became the first team to win on Sunday went down by 13 or or less it, or, or more just ridiculous ridiculous um but there were 22 seconds left and Jacoby Brissett ran it uh, for a huge gainer on first down and then on second down beautiful beautiful Ashton Davis the only play he got in the game all day and what does he do he intercepts it intercepts it goes down Jets win and Mr. Joe Cool, Joe friggin Flacco, who everybody ragged on week one. This guy shouldn't be starting. He threw for over 300 yards in that game, but threw it a crap ton of times in a meaningless loss. And they only scored one touchdown at the very end. Joe Flacco throws for 307 yards and four touchdowns. There are only three quarterbacks in the NFL this season that have thrown for at least 300 yards and four touchdowns to no interceptions. They would be Patrick Mahomes in week one against the Arizona Cardinals, Jared Goff in week two against the Washington Commanders, and Joe Flacco in week two against the Browns. 307 yards, four touchdowns. I believe he's now third in the NFL in passing this season, and they have a an interesting matchup with the Bengals coming up uh, tomorrow. So 
We'll see how that bodes well. So Browns fall to one and one there, although they got the win on Thursday. Spoiler alert, got the win two days ago against the Steelers to get to two and one, and they looked really, really good. So um, we'll see what to make of the Jets who face a now 0-2 Bengals team, which I will get to. Okay, next up, the third comeback of the day. This could have been the best one of them all, if not for my Jets, and I'm a little biased. But the Cardinals, after getting blasted by the Chiefs in week one, all the offseason rumors, the and you know, what they put in the contract about less video games, more homework, more studying for Kyler Murray. Well, huh, I don't know if he did some studying after week one, but they were down twenty to nothing in Las Vegas, facing a pretty solid Raiders team. Um, who lost a tough matchup to the Chargers in week one. Kyler Murray absolutely killed it in this game, uh, in this comeback. He had a touchdown, I believe it was, or a two-point conversion, whatever it was. I think it was a touchdown where they estimated that he ran a total of 80-something, like 82 yards on this one play, and they were either at the 25 or in the red zone. It was just ridiculous. And when he starts moving around, it's like a video game. As I watch Aaron Judge take uh, take to the plate here for his first at-bat in the bottom of the first, they just showed his dad. Um, so I'll keep you posted on what he does there. So yeah, Kyler Murray was ridiculous. They scored a touchdown late. They needed a two-point conversion to tie it. And he fouls that first fastball off. Um, I think it's Nick Pavetta on the mound, if I'm not mistaken. That was, an, yeah, Nick Pavetta's pitching for the Red Sox. So um, they go, they get this crazy two-point conversion because they were down 23-21. They needed the two-point conversion to tie. And A.J. Green, who had just dropped a couple passes earlier in the game, Kyler Murray, um, has good protection in the pocket and he starts pointing around to AJ Green in the back of the end zone and he just throws a dart in there and AJ Green catches it and secures the catch to the ground two point conversion successful and we would go to overtime where the Raiders had the ball and a chance to win this game but as Judge strikes out on three straight fastballs wow he fouled the first two off and then Pavetta paints the inside corner and Judge takes it um Okay, so here was the walk-off for the Arizona Cardinals. And it was shocking because Hunter Renfro fumbled in back-to-back -back plays. The first one they were able to recover. This one, not so much. Second and 10, quick pass outside, and that is complete. That is Moreau, and Moreau fighting for yardage. The ball is loose again. Uh -oh. Picked up by That's the Cardinals. This is Byron Murphy to the end zone. That's ball for game. the touchdown and the win. I think that's Isaiah Simmons who came over and knocked that ball out, Greg. So, yeah, it was just one of those things. The Raiders, man, they can't get out of their own way now. They fall to 0-2 in one of the, probably the toughest division in football, that AFC West. Don't really know what to make of that. Josh McDaniels still trying to figure it out and get his first win. And really, Hunter Renfro, as steady as they come from the slot, really great player. Um, just unfortunate that he fumbled. Uh, like, that's not something that, 
usually happens with a guy of his caliber. And to fumble twice like that, give some credit. Kudos to the Arizona Cardinals. They just never gave up and fought back. And if they can stay steady and keep a 500-ish record through those six games until they get DeAndre Hopkins back, this team can be scary. Um, Greg Dorch coming alive. They, they're really banged up at the receiver position right now. Um, so it, it's and they haven't had much of a semblance of a run game. James Conner went out in this one with he was banged up, although he did uh, celebrate with the team, ran on the field when they walked it off. Just just crazy. Um, so I'm still not sold on the Cardinals. Don't want, know what to make of them. But the Raiders have a huge matchup against the 0-2 Titans. Both of those teams 0-2. One of those teams will get their first win. Whoever loses that game season is over. And you could argue it's over now for the Raiders as well, just because of that division. But I'm not going to count out the Titans just yet because of the division that they are in. So it's just something to keep an eye on going forward. Just a bad loss, home loss um, for the Raiders. All right, next up, we had a very surprising game. I lost money on this game. And that game would be the Bengals and the Dallas Cowboys. So we all know no Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush making his second career start, the undrafted kid out of Central Michigan, all that good stuff. And um, the Bengals lost me money in week one. And on this parlay, I did a six-team alternate spread parlay. And I had the Bengals. I think I needed the Bengals to win by, you know, three points or something. As Glaber Torres stays red hot and hits the solo home run, had the green light 3-0 with two outs in the top of the first inning. Nick Pavetta early going with the fastball, steady pace of fastballs, and Glaber just launched it right into the left field uh, short porch there and left field seats like maybe four or five rows deep, um, just straight line drive. I'd love to know the exit velo. That one got out in a hurry. So anyway, back to this game now. Bengals, two games in a row, they have screwed me. And I guarantee if I were to bet the Jets with the points against the Bengals this week, I'd get screwed yet again because the Bengals would probably win. So I'm not touching that game more than likely. More than likely. Although I love my Jets at home after beating them last year. We'll, we'll see what happens. So Cooper Rush making his second career start. And, you know, a Bengals team that went to the Super Bowl Chalk up week one, TJ Watt, Steelers defense, really good. It happens, just didn't play very well. Didn't do much in the preseason, so you're wondering if that you know, had anything to do with it. I think he had appendicitis, had his appendix removed early in OTAs and training camp, so not a lot of rhythm going there, and then losing T. Higgins against the Steelers in week one. So you're like, here comes the bounce back. We've seen what the Cowboys were with Dak, just getting blasted by the by the Bucks in week one. So now Cooper Rush, it's like, is their season over? And give this Dallas team some credit because the Bengals look really, really bad. They're now 0-2. They shouldn't have lost this game to Dallas at all, but they did. Um, they lost to Cooper Rush, again, undrafted out of Central Michigan. Joe Burrow is, it looks like rookie Joe Burrow where he broke his leg and because his O-line was so bad, he was sacked again six times on Sunday. I think he was sacked like seven times in week one. Micah Parsons looking like defensive player of the year early on. Absolute beast at the linebacker position. Um, I just don't know what to make of this Bengals team. They touted this new and improved O-line and it's the worst in football. 
So I, I just really don't know what to make of this. So Dallas spoils everybody's bets more than likely. And the Bengals fall to 0-2 and the Cowboys are 1-1 with an upcoming Monday night football matchup with the New York football Giants who are 2-0. So that should be a fun, interesting matchup. I picked up Dallas defense for my fantasy team this week because I'm done with the Indianapolis Colts who have been the worst team in football in my opinion. Okay, so let's get to the 4 p.m. games. I'm not going over every game this week, from week two. Obviously, just don't have the time for it. But the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, finally, he gets his first regular season win against the New Orleans Saints. They were losing 3-0 at the half. 3-0 at the half. And I almost took the Saints with the points. Um, the second half was interesting. We had a huge fight between, guess who, Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore. These two have been going at it for five years now, and it culminated in Sunday's brawl that saw both players ejected. Mike Evans has been suspended for one game. That suspension was upheld. They appealed. So Mike Evans will not play Sunday, tomorrow, against the Green Bay Packers. So that should be interesting. They The, the Bucks have gone out and signed Cole Beasley to the practice squad. He has since been elevated to the active roster. No Mike Evans. Godwin is it might not be playing. Uh, Russell Gage is questionable. They have all sorts of issues at the receiver position. Uh, their left tackle probably isn't playing. So keep an eye out for the Bucks and Packers game. Should be an interesting one. Um, but the Bucks. Give them credit. They fought back down three nothing at the half. They end up going on to win this game twenty to ten. So still not sure what to make of some of these teams. The Saints with their epic comeback in week one, and now in week two, getting pretty much destroyed by by the Bucks team. There is one thing I will say: as though although the Bucks offense hasn't looked great, I'm not concerned. That defense is legit. We know Todd Bowles knows how to coach defense. It's going to be about whether Todd Bowles can manage the clock, can manage the offensive play calling, can can keep an even keel and, and, and make the right decisions. Because a lot of times with the Jets, he would go for it on fourth downs when he shouldn't have and when he could have punted. Uh, I remember especially that Thursday night game against Buffalo um, in 2015 or 16, where they they should have punted the one time and then they should have kicked a field goal the other time on fourth and goal. And it just was a disaster. And they ended up losing that game that they could have used later on in the year to make the play. So it's just stuff like that. But so far, Bucks 2-0, and they're looking pretty good on defense. They might be a legitimate uh, top defense in this league right now. All right, so moving on, that's it for football. I will get back to Monday night. Um, in just a second, I want to talk first about Arizona State parting ways with Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards has been fired. Again, another former New York Jets head, head coach. Um, he's out at Arizona State. It was weird that Arizona State hired him in the first place. I mean, he's like in his 70s, I think now. Um, I know he's he went to Arizona State, played there, etc. They started off with a promising, you know, go of things he brought in some some like veteran you know uh former like nfl players to his coaching staff and things like that but the last two seasons have been absolutely abysmal there's been an ongoing ncaa investigation and they just it culminated last week 
last Saturday with a loss to Eastern Michigan. So after that loss, they're like, yeah, see ya, you're gone. So they get rid of him. Um, he's at least the second coach now that's been fired early on in this college football season with Scott Frost being the other one um, after that crazy loss to Georgia Southern. Um, so yeah, Herm Edwards out at Arizona State. Okay, let's get to those Monday night games. Like I said, there were two of them, starting with the Bills-Titans. Um, sort of a little bit weird that we had two games on week in week two on Monday night. Usually we see that in week one. Um, but two games, starting with the Bills-Titans. This was a game that everything smelled like Bills were going to blow out the Titans. If you remember back to last year, the Titans beat the Bills because... Josh Allen slipped on a fourth down play, fourth and one, right at like the four or five yard line. It might have been even like fourth and goal or something. And he just slipped and fell and couldn't get his momentum on the QB sneak. And they lost the game. It was a very high scoring game. So this smelled like revenge. And after what we saw with the Bills in week one, they look so good. And they go into this game and it was like 7-7 almost the whole first half. And then I don't know what happened. Um, no Gabe Davis in this one who shined in week one. No Gabe Davis here in this game out. He hurt himself, I think, in practice or something. So he was out. Um, they just go on and absolutely pummel the Titans. Derrick Henry um, didn't rush for much. Um, he got outgained by James Cook, 35 to 25. But when you go down as much as they did, you can't really run the ball that much. Um Final score on this one, 41 to 7. Josh Allen, again, over 300 yards passing. Stefan Diggs had 12 catches for 148 yards and three touchdowns. Absolutely unguardable. One of the best tandems in football is that Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs connection on a night without their number two wide receiver, and he goes for 148 yards and three touchdowns. Absolutely ridiculous. Just ridiculous. So kudos to, to those guys. And they are the odds-on Super Bowl favorites. They came into the season as the favorites, and they still look to be the favorites. Again, another team that doesn't really have much of a run um, run game. So we'll see um, what to make of them. But I, I'm not too concerned with, with the Buffalo Bills. They just absolutely pummeled the Titans. And in the second game, we had the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings got a very big statement win in week one against the Packers. So I was liking the Vikings going into this game. Again, I fell asleep because I was sick. And I'm glad I did because I would have lost money on the Vikings. It was Kirk Cousins in prime time. And shocker alert, he loses in prime time 24-7 final. I don't know what to make of the Eagles. I'm still not sold on Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. I'm still not sold on this Eagles team. I know they made the playoffs last year, but I, I don't get it. This team through two weeks looks like they are unstoppable. Now, granted, week one against the Lions, they blew a big lead. Um, but still, that's a testament to what the Lions are. They're tough, gritty team that doesn't give up. And the Eagles find a way to win that game, and they blow out a Minnesota Vikings team that everybody thinks is very good. So I just don't get it. Um, 333 yards passing, 
uh, for Jalen Hurts and a touchdown. I think that that one touchdown went to Quez Watkins. Um, and two more, 57 more yards on the ground and two rushing touchdowns. That's a little concerning to me. I don't want Jalen Hurts to be put in a position where he's running a little too much to where he can get hurt. But again, he doesn't, he's, he seems to be uh, like an RG3 type, but he knows when to not take big hits and go down. And he's done a very good job through two games. Of course, we're talking about Carson Wentz's former backup who has now taken control of this offense. Nick Sirianni, we remember uh, everybody making fun of this guy as a rookie head coach. And all he did was take this team to the playoffs last year with Jalen Hurts. And they look poised to get back there this year as well. Also, give Darius Slay a whole lot of credit because Justin Jefferson, who went off in week one, did nothing in week two, had about maybe 40 yards receiving. That wind is playing a big role in, in this game. God damn it. Uh, Two-run homer in this Yankee game. Red Sox now up 2-1. to one. Um, Tristan Casas, I don't even know if that's how you're supposed to pronounce his name, but uh, he hit a home run the other night and he just hit one here out to left field. Oppo shot. The wind is definitely carrying played a part in that because that should not have been a home run. So yeah, shout out to Darius Slay. All right, switching gears to basketball. Here's an interesting one. A new rule change is imminent. The one and done rule in college basketball could be over. What I mean by this is as early as 2024, this came out, I believe, on Monday, the NBA and um, NBA Players Association are hammering out a new collective bargaining agreement, and both sides are in agreement to eliminate the infamous one and done rule. So the age requirement currently to enter the NBA draft is 19, which means you have to go to, you know, one year of college or go somewhere for a year, i.e. G League, which some of these guys are doing, or overseas. Um, and then, and now they're talking about lowering it to 18, which would revert back to the limit that was in place from 1995 to 2005. So remember, LeBron James went straight from high school, um, Kevin Garnett, guys like that. So most high school seniors who will be 18 would be eligible. And pretty much everybody seems happy about this. But think about it from this perspective. If you're a college basketball coach, this could impact you because now these top high school prospects are just going to go straight to the NBA, right? Well, not so fast. Because of NIL deals and the millions that these players are recouping in NIL money, you could have a situation where a player goes to a Kentucky or goes to a Duke for a year still because they're going to get an NIL deal. And they just went back to back, I think. Oh, Judge mistimed his jump and it just got over the wall. And I think that lady got hit with the ball. I don't know what happened. She's like squatting down and not getting up. Back to back home runs. Reese McGuire, who hit a three run homer last night, just hit a home run. So Yankees down 3 1 early. So, yeah, this age requirement will be an interesting one because the top prospects are, of course, going to go straight to the pros if they're going to be a top five, top 10 pick. But don't assume, like I said, that college basketball will be in any sort of trouble with this NIL deal stuff. So I think it's a win-win for everybody around. 
Okay, next up, let's see. Oh, uh, sticking with college basketball, remember that kid, Emily Bates, who was like the top prospect coming out of high school? No, that lady didn't get hurt. I don't, somebody, I don't know, whatever. Um, so Emily Bates, what a fall from grace with this guy. He went to Memphis, barely played as a freshman last season, and then he transferred to Eastern Michigan and became the highest rated player, um, highest rated player to ever join a Mid-American Conference team. And guess what happens over the weekend? Emily Bates is charged and arrested with two felony gun charges in Michigan on Sunday. This kid is ruining his career. His chances at going to the NBA are fading faster by the day. And now this felony gun charge is only going to make things worse. We don't know if he's going to be kicked out of Eastern Michigan. Don't know. Don't know details or anything like it yet. But as I hear it, I'll let you guys know. I'll, I'll be following this story um, as more comes out on it. So yeah, just a just a tough blow for a kid who had his sights on the NBA as the number one player coming out of high school and not looking so good anymore. All right, let's see. The Yankees are coming up to bat. They finally got out of the inning. And let's move on. Let's see where are we at here. All right, again, um, bear with me. I'm trying to do a bunch of stuff at once. And all right, so there's about, let's see, there are how many games left in the Major League Baseball season? I'll just pick the Yankees, for example. Um, there are about, well, including today, there's one, two, three, six games left in for the rest of this month. There are six games left in September, six games left in October. So there's 12 games left. The current standings in baseball, besides the fact that the Los Angeles Angels were eliminated from the playoffs yet again, having two of the top five best players in the sport, and they can't make the playoffs yet again. We have the Houston Astros. We know how good they are. They are first in the AL, followed by the Yankees, and then the Cleveland Indi oh, excuse me, Cleveland Guardians. Sacrilegious, I can't say that. In the wild card, you have Tampa Bay in the top spot. Toronto below them. They both actually are, they're both 84 and 67. I believe they played each other last night. Um, yeah. So Tampa Bay has won the first two games of this four game series to jump ahead into the one spot in the wild card. They won Thursday 10 5, and then again last night 10 to 6. So uh, two big wins for them. So they sit in the top spot, followed by Toronto and then Seattle 82 and 68. Interestingly enough, Baltimore is the first team out as of right now. They're three games back. They're the team, the only team with the chance of jumping anybody here and getting in would be Baltimore. And amazingly enough, they, for three straight games, back to back to back games, 
all three starters went at least eight and two-thirds innings pitched. Unbelievable. And the kid last night, the rookie, he dominated last night. The Houston Astros went complete game. Um, complete game, 6 nothing shutout. Gave up just four hits. I'm talking about um, Dean Kramer, just an absolute beast of a night. He went nine innings, four hits, two walks, six strikeouts. So the last three games, they've given up two walks total. Two walks. And those two walks came last night. So they beat Houston, and they're trying to just stay in that fight as the biggest surprise in all of baseball. So now in the NL, you have, of course, the Dodgers. They already have 104 wins. They're first in the in the league. Then you have uh, the Mets, who are 96 and 56, followed by the St. Louis Cardinals, who are 89 and 63. And I'll talk about them not too long from now and how Albert Pujols made history last night. Um, so they're leading their division. In the wild card, you have the Atlanta Braves. They're just a few games back of the um, of the NL East leading Mets, just two and a half back. So that's still not out of the question. They have a three-game series coming up shortly that will determine really the fate of that division. Then you have the Philadelphia Phillies, who remember not so long ago fired Joe Girardi, and they're sitting in second in that wild card at 83 and 67, and they are half a game up on the San Diego Padres, who are in that third and final wild card spot, just two up on Milwaukee, uh, who is all, the only team left in this race. San Francisco is then nine back, and then Arizona 13 and a half back. So it's going to be between the, uh, the Phillies, the Padres and the Milwaukee Brewers for those final two spots. So three teams fighting for two spots. If San Diego misses the playoffs again after trading for Juan Soto, that will be epically bad. It just can't, you can't have it. They have to make the playoffs, have to, especially with everything that's gone on with that team this season with Fernando Tatis Jr. And like I said, making those trades that they made, going all in, putting their chips all into the middle of the table. Just like Kenny Rogers says, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them and know when to walk away. You know that song? Yeah, well, apparently the San Diego Padres haven't gotten that memo because they probably should have walked away. And now they're facing, you know, they're staring the barrel right, right in the face. And if they blow this two-game lead in these final 12 or so games, oh, there's going to be hell to pay in San Diego. That is for sure. So that's your updated MLB playoff uh standings and scenarios um all right i mean how incredibly amazing would that be if the orioles somehow can make the playoffs wow what a freaking season that would be what a season anyway let's talk it's been a, a slow a slow um news cycle in terms of golf but talk about live golf for a quick second um, it hasn't gone away. Again, you haven't heard too much about it, but 50 live golfers sent a letter to the chairman of the official world golf ranking asking for live events to earn points toward a player's OWGR. Official world golf ranking, in case you didn't know what that meant. Um, 
That seems to me like a no-brainer because a lot of these live golfers are the top players in the world. Cameron Smith, just Dustin Johnson, guys like that, right? Well, the OWGR has 23 participating tours in which players can earn those points. There are different values for each tour, of course, but they all count. It's a shared golf universe with different rungs. And it matters because ranking points offer eligibility to play in majors, which makes a ton of sense. Thus, why live golfers are seeking this validation because they can't participate in the PGA Tour events or in PGA Tour events and therefore can't earn those points to get into majors. So, like I just said, their argument is we have some of the best golfers in the world and on the planet. And if you don't count us, whoever you are counting as, say, the number one player in the world is bogus because we have the actual number one player in the world, stuff like that. So here's the simple answer. Live as currently constructed does not meet the criteria for inclusion. There are only 54 whole tournaments and they don't have a cut. And normal, according to normal OWGR standards, you must have 72 holes and a 36-hole cut. Tours also normally have to hold qualifiers for the tour itself and individual tournaments. And Live Golf does neither. So unless they make a unique exception, we're at a stalemate and Live Golf will not be getting these OWGR points, and therefore the sport will suffer. So there's got to be some sort of compromise, and we'll see what 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 comes of this. Um, but yeah, it, it, these we, we've got to figure something out, guys. I mean, live is good for the sport, but it's not good for the sport if we're not seeing some of these players on the live tour in these majors going forward. They they were granted exceptions in some of the majors of recent, but going forward, man, this is bad. This is bad, bad, bad. Okay, Bills cornerback Dane Jackson avoided major injury to his neck or spinal cord after a scary hit in Buffalo's win Monday. He was released from the hospital and will undergo further tests. So thankfully, um, that's good to hear. Again, I didn't see the hit. I didn't watch the game. But I did hear about this player and, you know, it's always scary when you get transported to a hospital for a neck or spinal injury. So thankfully, he's going to be okay. All right. Yankees have a couple runners on with one out. IKF is up at the plate. Judge is up third. Currently, he's in uh, the hole, but there's one out and IKF has an 0-2 count. So we'll see. Um, what comes of this? Give me one second to watch this pitch and then we'll move on. IKF with the ground ball single and it looks like one run will score. Oh, they cut it off and get the out at third. God, freaking Harrison Bader, what are you doing? Judge is, in the, is on deck now and you get thrown out at third. So now there's two outs and he won't have a chance to come up probably in this inning. But we're going to move on and talk about the biggest news in sports today. 
this didn't happen today. It came out a couple of days ago, and I still don't know what's going on. I don't think anybody knows what's going on, but this is a major, major story, and it trumps what Albert Pujols did last night even, in my opinion. Boston Celtics head coach. Ooh, that's a closer play than I thought. His hand might have gotten in there, but because the call was out on the field, it might stand. I don't know if they're going to review it or not, but Boston, they are reviewing it. Boston Celtics head coach, Ime Udoka. Uh, remember, in his first year as head coach, he took the Boston Celtics to the NBA Finals where they eventually lost to the Golden State Warriors. I'm seeing this slow-mo replay, and I'm going to say that call is going to stand as out, even though I think he might be safe, but it's very close. Well, Ime Udoka is making headlines. The Boston Celtics are making headlines because he has been suspended by the Boston Celtics, not the NBA, the Boston Celtics. He has been suspended for an entire year. He will not coach the Boston Celtics in the upcoming 2022-23 season. And here's why. Well, I don't really know why, but I have some some details. He apparently had an a consensual relationship with a female member of Boston's staff. The organization deemed it a violation of its code of conduct. That's what first came out. Ime Udoka possibly facing a suspension because he violated Boston's code of conduct policy. Well, here's the thing. I'm hearing differing reports that it was consensual. It wasn't consensual. Maybe there was multiple women. Ime Udoka has a fiance, and that fiance is actress Nia Long. Great actress, by the way. And so there's that part of it. I don't know who, I don't know if the woman's married or anything like that, but this story keeps getting more and more bizarre by the day. Um, I don't even know what to make of it at this point. Um, Stephen A. Smith got into a heated argument on first take with Malika Andrews, who tried telling him that um, he's wrong and he doesn't have all the facts of the story. And so they just got so I don't think anybody has all the facts of the story. So I would appreciate if everybody just stopped reporting on this until they were ready to come out and speak with the full. Details and the full story. Because the fact, yeah, he's he they they ruled him out. It up it was upheld, which I figured it would be. Um, I just don't get it. I don't understand what's going on with this whole thing with Ime Udoka and why he's getting suspended for a full year. Look, at first it was so bizarre. It's like th these are two consenting adults. Whether he had an affair on his fiance or whatever, that's between them. Um, but how are you going to suspend this guy? because he didn't disclose this to HR. Like, it, it seems very bizarre. Um, but here's an update. The team added a statement saying that a decision about his future with the Celtics beyond this season will be made at a later date, which I don't understand. If you're going to fire him, fire him. But you can't suspend him for a year and like, and then after the year fire, like, do they, they obviously don't want him to go coach for another team. But at the same time, is this legal? Can you just suspend a coach without and, and not let him coach, but then after a year just say, oh, well, now we're going to fire you? So this is very, very intriguing. I don't understand it. Um, this is a result, again, of an intimate relationship with a female member of the organization. Some members of the organization first became aware of the relationship in July. 
at that time, team leadership was led to believe by both parties that the relationship was consensual. But sources said that the woman recently accused Udoka of making unwanted comments toward her, leading the team to launch a set of internal interviews. Oh, here we go. So the relationship is consensual, but only recently you're going to come out and say that, oh, well, he started making uncomfortable comments about me after you had sex. So now Boston has to get involved because now this is an HR problem because she's crying foul play here. Ladies, before you before you start jumping to conclusions and making these kinds of statements because you can ruin men's lives. Okay. And maybe I don't know the woman. I don't know if she's married or anything like that. And again, I don't have all the details, but I find it very hard to believe that after the fact that you are now going to say he made some unwanted comments or stuff that I didn't like. So I don't know. I'll revise my statements as more details come out, but I did see um, that Matt Barnes, who has a very popular podcast, said he defended Udoka, but then he retracted that statement as soon as he found out more details, but he said he knows what's going on, but it's he's not at liberty to say. So it does seem kind of bad in a sense, and it's not looking good for Udoka. But when I hear that, it just, it kind of, it kind of triggers me and pisses me off. But um, the team's decision and announcement came after a closed-door meeting Thursday that involved team owners and President Brad Stevens and lasted several hours. Earlier Thursday, Brad Stevens and members of the Celtics front office met with players at the team facility. And here was a statement that was put out by um, Udoka. I want to apologize to our players, fans, the entire Celtics organization, and my family for letting them down. I am sorry for putting the team in this difficult situation, and I accept the team's decision. Out of respect for everyone involved, I will have no further comment. So just a blanket, cookie-cutter type statement. Um, he is 45, mind you, heading into his second season at the helm in Boston after taking over in June of 2021 when Brad Stevens stepped down and stepped into a more prominent front office role, becoming president of basketball operations. The Celtics, of course, obviously went 51 and 31 the regular season and made it a, a great run to the NBA Finals. So it's just, I don't know what's going on with this. And I can't wait to find out the full scope of what actually happened. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. Um, but again, that is the biggest storyline in sports this week. Without question, without question. All right, switching gears. Um, I talked NFL football. I forgot to mention that Trey Lance broke his ankle against the Seahawks and is out for the season. So the 49ers looking like profits bringing Jimmy G back for a year because Jimmy G jumped right back in as the starter and led them to a sizable victory over the Seattle Seahawks. So it's good to be Jimmy G at the moment even though it wasn't so good to be Jimmy G about a month and a half ago when no one wanted him and they couldn't find a trade partner all off season. Now he finds himself in the best situation of his career because if he plays well, he could get a big contract in the off season signing with another team. And he's only 30. 
So he does probably have a good five, six years left. And if you're Tom Brady, maybe he's got 10 years left. Who knows? Um, but he was the best backup quarterback in football coming into this season. And now the 49ers are one and one, and they, they have a very good chance in that division to, to get back to the playoffs. So we'll see what to make of Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan's relationship and how they play it moving forward. Okay. Um, President's Cup, I believe, is is going on uh, this weekend. And it's been a little awkward um, because, like I said, we have the whole stuff going on with the Live Golf. They're not allowed to play in this year's Cup, meaning most of the international team's best players will not be participating which is weird because I seen a couple of the American guys like getting super excited when they were going up and winning. And it's like, you're not really playing anybody that good um, or the best possible players from Europe. So again, this is not good for the sport because it's also just not good for ratings because I don't know anybody that's watching the president's cup right now. The international team has an average world golf ranking of 48.9. The American average is 11.6. So we're going to decimate them. Um, Vegas believes that the Americans are minus 700 to win the cup, and they're favored by six and a half points. That is a huge number. Huge number. Okay, the Royals file, fired president of baseball operations Dayton Moore on Wednesday with the team headed for, yes, a sixth straight losing season. Moore was the architect of the 2015 World Series team and had been with the organization since 2006. And he does expect to stay in baseball in some capacity, so we'll see, but yikes. Um, it's been a rough go for both Royals and Mets since that World Series in uh, 2015, although the Mets looking like World Series contenders this year. Um, interesting note, Justin Herbert, in that Thursday night loss to the Chiefs, he fell on a Chiefs player while, getting, while throwing the ball and getting uh, hit. He fell on his helmet. He has some rib, he has some fractured rib cartilage. And you saw the pain he was in trying to finish that game, although he did throw a touchdown um, to end that game in garbage time. Um, he's day-to-day. -day. Vegas doesn't think he's playing. The spread against Jacksonville went from seven, seven and a half, down to a whopping just three points. He's day-to-day. -day. Brandon Staley said, yes, he's in some pain. Coaches are optimistic about his availability, but his status remains unclear. So this is one to watch out for. I'm so tempted to bet the Chargers because I have him on my fantasy team, Herbert, and I'm banking on him playing because if not, I have to start Aaron Rodgers against the Bucs and I don't really want to do that. So we'll see what to make of Justin Herbert, but that's the one big injury that we have to keep an eye out for is um, Justin Herbert's availability for tomorrow. And hopefully we'll get an update on that a little bit later uh, to tonight, maybe, or even tomorrow morning. Although it's scary when the doctor that's taking um, care of him is the same doctor that punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung and is being sued by Tyrod Taylor. And most notably, 
they wanted to give Herbert some injections for pain. And he said, absolutely not. So he's trying to just manage this pain and we'll see if he plays against Jacksonville or not tomorrow. The U.S. men's national team begins their World Cup prep. Um, they kicked off a, a friendly against Japan at 8.25 a couple days ago. Let's see, yesterday, actually. I don't know who won that game, but um, it's good. Uh, World Cup is actually coming up in just two months. I can't wait for that, actually. Uh, manager Greg Berhalter needs to figure out his preferred starters with Two friendlies left before World Cup play begins. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm super excited. I love, I get into the World Cup. Uh, first World Cup, I bet France to win that World Cup. And ding, 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 it paid out. Um, although it wasn't a big payout. But, um, you know, as my dad just sent me a text message. Oh, wow. My, uh, the athletic director at the college where I coach softball just sent my dad a text message or my dad sent it to him. I don't know. Um, but he is sitting right behind home plate at the Yankee game right now, literally in a yellow shirt and white hat. And you can't miss him. Um, unbelievable seats behind home plate. Holy crap. So, um, yeah, interesting. Um, good for him. He's on TV and I'm sure he's getting a whole lot of text messages right now, but, Anyway, yeah, so World Cup starts in about two months, so keep an eye out for that. Um, let's see. Oh, all right. Well, I didn't talk too much about this Thursday night game because it was Brown-Steelers. It was a bit boring, but if you haven't seen the catch by George Pickens, go and watch it. Um, it was one of the great catches you'll ever see. It gave the Odell catch a little bit of a run for its money, but still, anybody that tries to tell you that's better than the Odell catch, out of their minds, not even close in my opinion, because Odell was catching it backwards while falling back in. First of all, it was a touchdown. This wasn't. And Odell, um, the momentum of the ball just carried his arm back, and he ends up only like hold, grabbing it with three fingers when all is said and done. Um, so Aaron Judge is up for his second plate appearance right now. God, he's fouling off a lot of fastballs, a lot of fastballs. And Pavetta took a little off that. That was only 93 and he fouled it away. He's getting good barrel, but he's just fouling it away. It looks like maybe he's trying to go the other way. He's just slightly missing. Um, so let's wait and see on this next pitch. I'll bring it to you live. The 0-1 pitch. Pavetta tries to go upstairs with another fastball. Judge wisely takes it up out of the strike zone. It is 1-1. I love this. They keep showing Roger Maris's family is in attendance as well as Judge's family. So here comes the 1-1 pitch from Pavetta with nobody out, nobody on. Bottom three, Red Sox up 3-2. The pitch, another fastball. And it looked like Judge slipped a little bit with his back foot in that batter's box and really lunt, uh dropped that back shoulder and fouled it back yet again. He's missing a lot of good pitches. So let's see the one, two pitch Pavetta has him right where he wants him. Judge O for one with a strikeout, the 39th pitch for Pavetta. Let's see if he goes fastball yet again. Here it comes. No, he tries to go curveball low and away with the knuckle curve. 
and it's in the dirt. So Judge sitting here with a 2-2 count. This is the money pitch, in my opinion. It'll be the 40th for Pavetta. We'll see what Judge can do, but this is the pitch. If he's going to get a pitch to hit, it's right here. And he's taking a really long time, and if I'm Aaron Judge, I would, yep, there you go. Call time, reset. Pavetta trying to mess with him a little bit, maybe. If he goes one more fastball, I think he's making a huge mistake. So we're about to find out what he's going to do here. The 2-2. Oh, Judge missed it yet again. It was another fastball. He flies out to center. He just got jammed just a little bit. He didn't hit it out front enough. If he pulls that ball, it's gone. Let me see the replay. Man, yep, he just ran it in on him. They said that was a four seam, but it had a little run in. Um, and damn, Judge, 0 for 2 now with, two, uh, with a strikeout and a fly out to center field. And... Luckily, he's still leading in batting average because Xander Bogarts has dropped off a little bit as well. Um, so Yankees still down three, three to two. Give me one second. I have to plug my charger in for my computer because it's about to die. And then we'll jump back in. So give me one second. All right, got the charger plugged in so we don't lose power on the MacBook because I was about to. All right, wow, we're over an hour already. Uh, I haven't even checked the college football scores, but back to your regularly scheduled program here on This Week in Sports. Yeah, so go check out the George Pickens catch if you haven't seen it. Um, the Browns won that game 29-17. I don't have much to say. Nick Chubb, best running back in football, yada, yada, yada. Um, so, yeah. Not even close to Odell's catch, though. All right, let's see. Um, man, everything seems to just be about Aaron Judge. I don't want to talk too much um, about this, um, but let's see. Uh, we got to get to Albert Pujols, so we're gonna we're gonna jump in and we're gonna talk about Albert Pujols and what he did last night. Um, so last night, Albert Pujols facing the, well, his former team, the Los Angeles Dodgers sitting on 698 home runs. So that's the big thing. It's Aaron judge sitting on 60 home runs and Albert Pujols sitting on 698 home runs. And both of these games, Yankees, Red Sox, Cardinals, Dodgers were televised on, um, Apple TV last night, and they were both free. Not free trials, free free. All you needed was an Apple ID to watch both of these games and a device that can play Apple TV uh, or that can get the Apple TV app. There's newer Roku devices. The newer TVs can get them. Apple TV set-top boxes, um, all sorts of stuff like that. We're able to get them. So let's play... Everything here is his 700th home run. His 699 was way better. Um, let me try to get this. Let me see. Come on, Twitter. Albert Pujols, 699. Let's see. All right, here it is. He drives this one. Albert Pujols, 
one home run away from 700. That was 699. And now I will get you 700, which I wasn't sure if that was going to go out or not for 700, but I got the notification. I said, no way. And I've got to say, I'm loving this Apple TV because when it was on Apple TV, I'm like, I don't even have to wait for Twitter to find the video. I jumped into the Apple TV, hit watch live, and then I could just back it up and I could, you know, it. it I could go to any point in time in the game. You could start from the beginning and you could just scrub your way through. So I scrubbed back. It was like 10 minutes and I saw number 700. So here was number 700. Oh, Albert's Albert making history. That wasn't it here. Yeah, so Albert Pujols hitting numbers 699 and 700 in the same game. First player to ever do that of the four with 700. He's now one of four guys with 700 all time. Of course, you've got Barry Bonds. You've got, of course, Babe Ruth. Okay, that's a part of that club. You've got Albert Pujols now. I, I mean, it's just an incredible group. And I got to get to ESPN stats and info so I can give you the stats on this. It's just incredible. He is the only member of the four member 700 home run club to be born outside of the United States. He hit his 699th and 7th home run in the same game. Only one of the four to do that. He hit number 700 against his former team. Only one to do that. And older... He's the only one that's older than his manager at the time of his milestone homer. He became the fourth member of the home 700 home run club, has now hit exactly 500 home runs off of right-handed pitchers and 200 off of lefties. 699 was off a lefty uh, in Andrew Heaney. I just cannot believe that he's hit exactly 500 and 200 like that. It's unbelievable. He joins Ted Williams as the only players to hit 20 home runs in their first and last season in MLB history and had his eight, his 18th 20 home run season, third most in Major League Baseball history behind only Hank Aaron, who did it 20 times, and Barry Bonds, who did it uh, 19 times. It's just incredible, incredible, incredible. Um, I, I can't, I didn't even think this was possible at the beginning of the year. Um, so for him to do this, it's just, re I mean, he is one of the greatest of all time. I mean, you're talking about Barry Bonds, who who, who took steroids, granted, had the most home runs ever. Um, Hank Aaron, one of the greats of all time. And of course, the Bambino himself, Babe Ruth. I, I, it's just, to me, it's absolutely incredible. Um, 
and I am just in awe of what he's been able to do. Um, crazy. He passed A-Rod, you know, who had 696, and he actually made it to 700. It's just, I, I mean, unfreaking believable So congratulations to Albert Pujols. He never should have left the Cardinals because that's his home. I mean, that's where, I think that's what's re, reinvigorated him and, and rejuvenated him and given him that extra fire. We remember what he did with the home run derby and, and all of that this year, um, beating Schwarber, the one seed, just incredible career for Albert Pujols. Um, I, I just... It's insane. It truly is insane what he's been able to do. So congratulations to Albert Pujols. He made it to 700. Okay, um, give you. I'm going to give you a quick update, college football scoreboard update. We're going to go top 25 here. We've got, um, let's see, Wake Forest is beating Clemson 21 to 20 early in the third. Baylor's beating Iowa State 24-14. Michigan and Maryland, that's a, t a, a tight game. Eight, About eight and a half minutes left. That game's on Fox. Michigan's up by four against Maryland. Um, Penn State's only up 13 against Central Michigan. Same amount of time about left. Um, Michigan, excuse me, uh, Penn State was 28-point favorites, and Central Michigan is now in the red zone, so they're not covering that spread. And number one, Georgia with your early Heisman favorite in in uh, Stetson Bennett. They're beating Kent State 29-13. to 13. Former walk-on Stetson Bennett, just unreal. They're up 29-13. to 13. Stetson Bennett's numbers this year are incredible. Incredible. Um, let's see. Against Oregon, he threw for 368 yards and two touchdowns. Only threw six incompletions. In his second game against, is that Sam Houston that they played? He he threw only 10 incompletions for 300 yards, one touchdown. He threw two touchdowns last week against South Carolina, went for 284. Um, so far, he's thrown his first interception, no touchdowns, but he's got 193 yards passing, and it's still early, so he could get to that 300 mark. This is wild. Kent State is only down 15, and they have first and goal. That game's on ESPN+. Plus. I'm going to have to turn that on as soon as I finish this. Okay, a little bit later, you got Florida, Tennessee. Number 11, Tennessee, hosting number 20, Florida, Tennessee, looking to get to 4-0 and stay undefeated. Miami, oh, excuse me, um, Tennessee is 10.5-point favorites. Um, you've got Texas Tech, Texas. That's always a good rivalry. Um, let's see. You've got Oregon and Washington State. Good Pac-12 matchup there. Washington State's undefeated. Oregon is six and a half point favorites on the road. Mississippi um, plays at four o'clock. Kentucky, who is now up to eight in the stand in the rankings, they're three and zero, taking on Northern Illinois at seven tonight. You've got A&M, Arkansas, a, a dangerous Arkansas team that's three and zero. They're ranked tenth in the country, going on the road against a a tough um, A&M team that's 23rd ranked. NC State is 3-0. They're ranked 12th. I'm surprised by that. Ohio State, Wisconsin. That, to me, is going to be a very good game. Undefeated Ohio State. They look legit. They're 19.5-point favorites against Wisconsin. Um, I've got a stat for you on that game. 
The Buckeyes have scored 40-plus points in 12, 12 straight home games against unranked opponents, which is tied for the fourth longest streak in the poll era since 1936. Oregon holds the record with 21 straight from 2009 to 2013. 19 and a half point favorites. I'm leaning towards Wisconsin in this one, but I don't know. You can't really bet against Ohio State. They are very, very good. And then later tonight, you've got Alabama, Vanderbilt. Um, one loss between the two of them combined six and one. Bama is 40 and a half point favorites, and they have not looked great so far this season. I'm just going to say it. Say you know, for what it is, um, they, they beat Utah state 55, nothing, but beat Texas by one point. Um, and they really, they, they beat LA Monroe by, by a score of 63 to seven, but they haven't really played anybody all that good yet. Um, and they've got a tough schedule coming up. They got Vanderbilt tonight. Then they've got Arkansas, A&M and Tennessee straight in a row. That's when they get into the meat of the schedule. So this is going to be a tough test for them. We'll see. 40 and a half seems like a ridiculous amount. Um, then you got Oklahoma, Kansas State. Oklahoma looks pretty damn good. Um, good for Venables. Um, I'm a fan. Um, I hope he has some very good success. You've got uh, USC uh, playing Oregon State later. BYU and Wyoming does nothing for me. Utah, Arizona State, nothing for me. And Washington, Stanford, uh, all three of those games I just mentioned, West Coast games, they're on at 10, 15 or later, 10, 15 and 10, 30. Um, so yeah, that's your slate of football games. And then of course, my alma mater, Rutgers taking on Iowa should be the lowest scoring game of the day. Iowa can't score points um, to save their lives and Rutgers really can't. It, who knows who's going to play quarterback. The only quarterback that's really healthy right now is Evan Simon. Gavin Wimsett and Noah Vedrill are both game-time decisions. Vedrill hasn't played all season yet. Who He was the starter. Hasn't played all season yet, but Rutgers is 3-0. They obviously really haven't played anybody. And Iowa is 2-1. and one. They are 7.5-point favorites here on the road. Um, and it should be interesting. It should be interesting. If Rutgers' defense shows up, I like their chances. I think this is a very possible, you know, this is a very um, crucial game for both teams, but it's a big game for Rutgers. They they need they need this game. Iowa's 2-1. and one. Um, They had the loss to Iowa State 10-7. Look, Iowa, we know, has the worst offense in the country. They scored 14, combined 14 points in the first two games before beating Nevada 27-0 in a rainy, wet, you know, game last week that had weather delays and such. So I'm not going to, that's an anomaly in my opinion. They, they just are not a team that's been able to score a lot of points. So we'll see what to make of that. I'll continue to watch this New York Yankee and Red Sox game. Um, I'm glad that's on early, so I don't have to worry about that later during the Rutgers game. Um, so I'm excited for for what's, what's to come later in the day. And... Um, with that being said, that's pretty much going to wrap it up. I'm trying to find a um, on this date in sports. I wasn't really able to find one. So let me see if I can find one. I will um, give it to you. Oh, and by the way, while I, I'm on ESPN.com and I see this, if you haven't seen the skit with Eli Manning playing this guy, Chad Powers, and going to walk uh, to walk on tryouts at Penn State. It was hilarious. I also then saw on TikTok, Jimmer Fredette did one at BYU. These are just pure gold. So um, I'm all for it. And um, yeah, so go watch that clip. It's probably like nine minutes long or so. Um, 
with Eli Manning. It's just absolutely hilarious. And um, again, it is pure. It's pure gold. So let's see on this date in sports. I really don't have anything. Um, Babe Ruth became the first slugger to hit 50 home runs in a season with a first inning blast off Jose Acosta and a 2-1 loss to the Washington Senators. That's actually a pretty uh, appropriate one considering where Aaron Judge is with the 60. Um, he tied Babe Ruth when he hit his 60th recently. So, um, yeah, that's not a bad one, actually. I, I think I'll wrap it up with that. Hit an hour and 20. You know, been 12 days since I threw out an episode. So this one, of course, was going to be a little bit longer. But I appreciate everybody for joining in and listening. If you haven't already, go subscribe to TTR, our sister podcast, Through the Ringer or Brother podcast in this case. We should have dropped an episode today. We may do one early in the morning tomorrow with all our football picks, etc. Um, I'm not going to give picks on this show just because of time constraints. But if you want my picks... Um, hit me up on social or check out TTR and you'll get my my picks for tomorrow. Um, actually, I'll give you one pick. Lions. Who are the Lions playing this week? I don't really care, but I'm taking the over in pretty much every Lions game going forward. I'm a huge fan of that franchise and it's hit the over in every game so far. And I started to notice that trend last year. Um, the Lions are... Pl who are the Lions playing? I don't see the Lions here. The Lions and Vikings, yeah. I like the over in that game as well. I know it's an NFC North matchup, um, but I think there's going to be a lot of scoring. Vikings only scoring seven points on Monday night. They're going to bounce back. I truly believe that and score some points, and I think the Lions are better than people are giving them credit for, so I like the over in that game. That's the one bet I'll give you is Lions. Um, is the Lions-Vikings over? And what is the over at in that game? According to... MGM, the over is 52. I actually like that. I'll take 52. As Stanton gets a base hit past the diving Bogarts, we've got one on and one out. Still 3-2, bottom four. All right, that's going to wrap it up, guys. I appreciate everyone for listening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks to um, Rosh Hashanah. I have Monday off. This is The Pody signing off. Take care, everybody.